Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Call to Comeback. I'm Bobby McGinnis, alongside my co-host, Tom Spallone. Tom, how you doing today? I'm good. I'm excited here. We have the uh, NFL draft is uh, only a few weeks away. Baseball's in full swing, and we got a, we got a great special guest on today. Yeah, uh, like you said, NFL draft is coming up at the end of April, and we haven't really done an episode yet to cover who we like and uh, or who we think that our teams are going to draft, the Jets and the Giants. So we brought on a very special guest here, Dave Luciano from my alma mater, Union Catholic. He is the athletic director over there. Uh, Dave, how are you doing today? Great, guys. Thanks for having me. This is awesome. Yeah, of course. I mean, you and I have been talking about football draft and offseason for at least the past, I don't know, six or seven years now. Um, it's always a great time. Yeah, it seems like our teams are always picking uh, in those prime picks, which isn't, isn't great news. But, uh, yeah, it's back a series of years with us and talking about, you know, where we can see our teams going and who they're taking. So, yeah, really excited to kind of hear what you guys have to say tonight. Yeah, of course. And like you said, our teams have the luxury of picking early in April because they suffer those miserable months during the uh, the regular season. But yeah, so just to kind of cover some background here, the Giants made a few moves this offseason, acquiring a new head coach, a new GM. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think that, you know, the the hires that they had this offseason were so necessary. And I think it's, it's really... Uh, it's going to kind of springboard them into, uh, you know, this draft and then beyond. Um, you know, they, they brought over the GM, uh, Joe Shane, Brian Dable, uh, worked together in Buffalo. They had a lot of success towards the end. And um, you can really see kind of what they were building there. Um, and now hopefully we can get something, uh, something going here for the Giants. And, and really you're starting from the ground floor and working your way up. So, um yeah, just really excited to see how they work together and where they go in this draft. Yeah, and Tom, I want to ask your thoughts on the hiring too. Um, bringing in Brian Dable after, you know, Joe Judge, there was reports that he was going to come back at first and then quickly after uh, we saw that they decided to go in a new direction. So what are your thoughts on that, Tom? Yeah, um, everything that Dave said, I agree with. Um, as a Giants fan, I was really happy to see uh, Judge <clears throat> get let go and then Gettleman uh, forced into retirement. I mean, both those guys were not uh, bringing a winning culture to the Giants. Uh, Joe Judge's offense was honestly very tough to watch, obviously, as we saw as Giant fans this past season. So I'm, I'm really excited for Shane. I think uh, his scouting of players is uh, really the, the way he goes about it, it's really good. And I'm excited for this uh, upcoming draft. And for Dable, I think he can really transform Jones um, but this do or die year that he has, and I think he can he can make him into a good quarterback. I think this offense can get rolling. Yeah, I mean, we saw what they were able to do over in Buffalo with Josh Allen. Uh, that was a guy who was kind of when he was coming out of the draft, everyone knew that he was going to be a project. And Sean McDermott, Brian Dable, they did a great job at developing him. Um, bringing in a guy like Stefan Diggs really took him to that next level. So. I guess, Dave, do you still have hope for uh, the quarterback, Daniel Jones, or what were your thoughts well, there? I think Tom kind of hit it on the head when he said culture. You know, you could see the culture that was created in Buffalo. Um, when, when Josh Allen was coming out in the draft, they, they were saying, you know, mobile quarterback, big arm, don't know if he could put it together. Um, and as you said, Bob, they, they went out and, and they got him what he needed. They got him some weapons. Um, you know, they did a decent job protecting him. Uh, and they really, the thing that I like that Dable did is he called games to Josh Allen's strengths. He didn't try to make him a quarterback that that he wasn't. And I'm hoping that um, he's going to be able to identify with Daniel Jones. What are his strengths? Obviously, Jones, um, you know, has mobility, although he, he hasn't had the, the best luck of staying healthy. Um, but when you protect him, he seems to be able to make the throws and uh, and, and read the, the defense well. Um, you know, the, the main issue, I think the main issue is they just have not been able to protect him. And I think that this draft is so important because, um, you know, with some of the moves they made in the offseason and some of the players that hopefully will be on the board when they're picking, they may have an opportunity to really solidify up front. And, and we're definitely, I think we're definitely going to be able to see what type of quarterback he is this year. Um, but I don't think that they're, uh, marrying themselves to, you know, definitely staying with him after the season if he doesn't prove himself. Yeah, I agree there. They're definitely not 
you know, committed or locked into Jones. And the good thing is, although this current quarterback class isn't too strong, the following year will be. So if Daniel Jones does not improve, obviously the Giants will probably have a pretty poor record and will be picking early enough to draft a new guy for the future. So this will obviously be a make or break year for Daniel Jones. I thought last year would be, but it seems like we're kind of in the same place here again this offseason. Yeah, no, it's definitely a uh, do or die season for him. And uh, Dave brought up a really good point uh, by saying that Dave will play to the to the strengths of the of the offense. And, he, and he's definitely right, because I saw a few reports uh, going back a few weeks that um, he called in Jones and Kadarius Tony and Galladay for a meeting. Uh, and he looked at their college tape and, and looked over what they what they do well. And I think that's really important for uh, <clears throat> for a coach, especially for the play calling uh, to know what's the best uh, plays that suit your wide receivers and, and quarterbacks the right way. Yeah, and obviously, being that we're just a couple weeks away here from the draft, there's a lot of rumors going around on who's going to go number one and obviously the picks following. So, Tom, I kind of want to hear your thoughts. I mean, Jaguars will be on the clock first, and I thought Aiden Hutchinson was a shoe in for, for pick one, but now I hear a lot of other rumors um, about who may go number one. So what are your thoughts there? Yeah, um, going back the last few weeks, you're right. It definitely looked like Aiden Hutchinson was going to be the number one pick. Uh, for Jacksonville, especially how they've gone about this offseason with franchise tagging uh, Robinson, one of their big tackles on the line. Um, but lately, these past two weeks, we've seen a lot about uh, Trayvon Walker out of Georgia, and he's flying up the rankings. Um, he had a fantastic uh, pro day at Georgia. Uh, he had a good combine. So a lot of the scouts are really impressed with this kid and uh, how versatile he is. But uh, honestly, I still think Hutchinson should be the number one pick here. Um, he's a guy that was proven. He played in the Big Ten at Michigan. Uh, in college, and I, th I think he should be that guy. I mean, Trayvon Walker could be a gem, but I mean, it, if you take him at one and, and he busts, it's going to look really bad on that on that franchise. Well, yeah, earlier when we were talking with Dave before we started recording, we talked about how a lot of or Vegas or the odds makers have Trayvon Walker going um, around pick three or possibly before um, to be a top three pick, as well as Aiden Hutchinson. So, that brings me to my next point. If two edge rushers go in the top three or even top four, that means that some of these offensive linemen would slide right into the Giants' hand at five. What are your thoughts there, Dave? Yeah, I mean, ideally, you're looking at Neil and you're looking at Aquanu, and, um, you know, one of the two of those guys, if, if they kind of fall into uh, the Giants' lap at five, I think it's a no-brainer to take them. Um, the Giants definitely uh, need help along that line. Um, they really only have one returning piece uh, coming back with their left tackle returning. And I know they picked up a couple pieces in the offseason, but, you know, it, it seems like both of those guys are kind of a pick and plug type of guy that's going to be able to play right tackle right away um, and then have your bookends forever. Um, you know, I, I agree with everything you guys said about, you know, uh, top end of the draft here. I still think Hutchinson's the number one guy. Um, I think that um, there could definitely be some um, some movement up here. Trayvon Walker, where does Thibodeau go? Um, and, and then you always have the possibility, even though it's not um, a strong quarterback class, uh, somebody sliding in and, and, and surprising everybody and taking one of these quarterbacks. Um, so I think that that could really shake up the top five as well. Uh, but as a Giant fan, and I know Bobby uh, as, a, as a Jet fan, ideally, if, if Neil's sitting there at four for the Jets or five for the Giants or Iquanu, uh, I think it, it's kind of a no-brainer. Yeah, I agree with you there. And there's probably no scenario where they're both there at four or five. But uh, what pref do you, if you have a preference, um, who would you rather have? Because it seemed like the whole season it was Evan Neal, Evan Neal, Evan Neal. And now it seems like a lot of scouts are favoring Aquanu. Yeah, I mean, I think that the, uh, the allure of Evan Neal is definitely his size, right? I mean, we're talking six foot seven, 350. Um, he's, he's a load, right? And, and he could do it all. He's quick on his feet. But I agree that, um, you know, as time has gone by here and you have the combine involved and you're doing your homework on guys, Quanu um, uh, ends up, uh, he's a little bit smaller, but ends up, um, you know, probably being as good of a pick, if not better, um, you know, as, as that as that first uh, tackle coming off the board. 
Um, I think people love his uh, his mobility as a as a big guy. Um, he blocks well. He um, you know gives you lanes to run. He protects the quarterback. Um, so so I think either way, uh, you're probably going to be in good hands with either one of those guys. Um, I still think because of um, Neil's just you know his overwhelming size and uh, and his versatility. Uh, his mobility, I think that he will be the first offensive lineman off the board. Uh, if you gave me a choice of the two, I'd probably have to go with Neil. Yeah, and you, Tom? Yeah, it's a, it's a really tough question. I mean, both of them are, are very good. And, and to be said, Aquanu has been flying up the ranks uh, ever since the combine and everything has gotten underway. But I agree with Dave. I'd go with Neil. I mean, I'd trust the Alabama guy, honestly, more than anyone. Let's be honest here. I mean, Alabama's the, the king of college football. So... Um, any guy that comes out of there, I know, is, is NFL ready, basically. So I, I like Neil a lot. I mean, another guy, Charles Cross, I mean, I think he's been getting a lot of respect from the scouts. Um, I definitely wouldn't take him at five, though. Uh, as a Giants fan, I, I, he's a very good pass protector because Mississippi State ran a lot, of, a lot of passing plays last year, but that doesn't have a lot of experience in the running game. So I think um, I definitely lean towards Evan Neal, but definitely would not be happy. Uh, definitely wouldn't mind a quantity. Yeah, I hear you. And I know that there's definitely a world where the Giants trade back um, out of five or seven. But just for right now, say that they uh, end up taking both picks in the first round. Obviously, I think they need to address the offensive line with one of those. But defensively, are you guys thinking more edge or more defensive back? I mean, <laughs> I have probably a short list of nine or ten guys. Uh, that that I would be okay with them taking at five and seven. Um, I agree if they stay at five and we're going, let, let's go off the premise that they're going to pick at five and seven. Um, the odds of them going offensive line at five are very high. Now you're looking at pick seven. Um, I actually think with Carolina picking six, Carolina would also go with him uh, with an offensive lineman, maybe a Charles Cross. Um, so now uh, you could have a situation where you have uh, Kayvon Thibodeau there at seven. I think he, I've seen him play. I think he's a monster. I think that he checks all the boxes. I think he's a freak athlete. And for some reason, there's some reason why he just hasn't stayed at the top, top of the draft. Um, you haven't heard reports. You haven't seen anything. Um, so I would definitely be okay if they made that pick there. I think that we could definitely need, we definitely need somebody on the edge, somebody with, um, you know, a little edge to them, you know, somebody that's got a little uh, swag when he's out there on the field, but in the world of New York giants football, uh, you have to come back to your salary cap situation and it doesn't look like James Bradbury will be part of the team come week one. So now you're talking about uh, two big time, big time shutdown quarters um, in Stingley and, and Sauce Gardner. Um, I know right. Stingley's coming off an injury. Um, so it, it's funny, uh, Gardner and Stingley have kind of switched um, spots in, in the draft order too here. Uh, Stingley's dropped to, you know, six or seven, and, and Gardner seems to be flying up a little bit. Um, so I don't think the Giants could go wrong if they go. Uh, edge at seven, uh, but I think that there's a big time chance that they go uh, with a defensive back and, and even throw a little wild card in here if Kyle Hamilton's still on board. You know, the Giants uh, get rid of Logan Ryan. He, he may he may be there as well, and they definitely have a need. Yeah, with the case of Kayvon Thibodeau, I, I'm starting to think it's a little bit of over-scouting, and we've seen this in other drafts where players fall just due to over-scouting. Uh, one example is we saw DK Metcalf fall all the way to the second round because scouts started thinking that uh, he was too big and wouldn't have the reach that uh, other receivers have. And obviously it looks ridiculous now because he's been very good in his first couple of years in the league. Um, Tom, your thoughts on over-scouting possibly here with Thibodeau? <laughs> Yes, it's 100% overscouting. Uh, Dave, I don't know about you, but if uh, Kayvon Thibodeau was there at five or seven, I'd be foaming at the mouth, honestly, as a Giants fan. I, I, really, I really want this kid. Um, I've There's been obviously a lot of reports that he's going to fall to five or seven. I, I won't believe it until I see it. I mean, looking at the college tape from Oregon, I mean, this kid looks like the next Miles Garrett. He could be the next game wrecker. 
uh, off the edge in the NFL. And that's so important to a defense, uh, especially when you look, that helps out the secondary a ton, get into the QB. Uh, and it's something that the Giants haven't uh, had a great pass rush in a few years. I mean, Ojolari last year was pretty big for the Giants, but just one guy, you know, you, you, you want to keep adding. But like you said, Sauce Gardner uh, at the cornerback position would be a great pickup. Uh, obviously, if he's still there at seven, um, I don't know if he's going to go in the top six. There's been reports about that, too. So, I mean, there's obviously a, there's a lot of smoke screens. So we'll see what happens. But um, I love Kevon Thibodeau uh, in a giant uniform. That would be that'd just be something I'd love to see. Yeah, I agree with you. And, you know, just touching on the defensive backs real quick. For as long as I can remember, in the beginning, I'd say in February, I was huge on Kyle Hamilton, and I still think he's going to be a great player. But suddenly, over the last few weeks, I've really started to favor Sauce Gardner. Um, you mentioned like the swagger of Kayvon Thibodeau. Uh, Sauce Gardner brings that same energy, and he's a guy who did not let up a touchdown in his college career. Uh, and when asked about that, he also went and said, what makes you think I'm going to give one up in my NFL career? Uh, I don't know. The energy around that guy he's someone who i could see being like a jalen ramsey uh type of corner who talks big game but is able to back up uh so if the giants or the jets are able to come away with sauce gardner i would be ecstatic about that yeah i i think you know a lot of what you're seeing right now with stingley and with hamilton um they're both coming off of injuries and when you're uh, when you're spending a, a top you know five you know seven top ten pick um, there's always that thought in the back of your mind of, you know, are they fully healed? Is it going to be something that lingers? Um, and, and I agree with you, Bob. I think Sauce Gardner has, um, you know, he said some um, some real eye-opening things here. And, and, you know, he has a lot of confidence in himself. He's got the great nickname. Usually the guys with great, nickna uh, great nicknames that kind of pans out a little bit. Um, so I, I would be, you know, real happy if Gardner's there. Um, you know, going back to what Tom said, of course, if Thibodeau's there, you have to think long and hard and, and you probably have to make the pick uh, because there is such a chance that he is the guy. Um, but I think you got a couple of defensive backs here. It's going to be really interesting to see how it shakes out in the, in the top 10. Yeah, and the one thing that uh, backs up Kyle Hamilton, too, is his ability to cover the tight end. And we've seen over the last few years in football that that's a position that's been developing and teams are having trouble guarding the Travis Kelsey's, the Mark Andrews. And to even go a step further, we saw other guys break out this year, Dalton Schultz, Dawson Knox. Um, so the tight end is obviously a threatening position. And to get someone who can lock up the tight ends, I mean, that's something that I'd be interested in. Yeah, no, it's, it's important, especially in today's game. Uh, real quick here, Dave, uh, I just wanted to get your opinion here. If if uh, Thibodeau is there at five and uh, Aquanu or Neil, one of the one of the two tackles is there at five, who are you who are you going to go with? Who are you valuing uh, more here for the Giants? Um, well, I think you got to look kind of at, at strategy in the draft here. Right. I think that there's if if Thibodeau is there at five, along with Neil and Aquanu, um if you don't take, you don't take one of the tackles there. It, it's it's a stretch. I think that the Giants yeah. probably take one of the tackles, thinking that the other tackle will go at six to Carolina, and they end up getting Thibodeau at seven. I think you got to go tackle first. Um, you know, the other thing though, if you take Thibodeau at five. One of Aquanu or it really depends on what the Giants' preference is at tackle. If they're 50-50 on the tackles and they think that whoever's there, if it's Neil, if it's Aquanu, whichever one's there at seven, we'll take them. Let's go get Thibodeau now. Then, then you take Thibodeau. But if they have an extreme preference where Neil's our guy, then I think you got to take Neil at five, thinking that there's a really good chance that Aquanu or Cross goes at six and you could still get Thibodeau at seven. So it really all depends on what their thoughts are on the two tackles. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. And um, that's going to be really important to see who they do preference. Uh, that would be an ideal scenario, obviously, if that's the Giants, if you have those three guys sitting in your, in your lap. Uh, so we'll see. But I think tackle is definitely a big priority, especially because they didn't go uh, tackle last year in the draft. And I think it, everyone wants to see Jones protected this year and what he can do with the with a solid O-line. So I think that should be the preference is tackle. 
Yeah, and I think part of the decision there too is, you know, a little bit of risk management here. Where do you see a bigger drop off? Do you see a bigger drop off from those top two tackles down to Charles Cross, or is there a bigger drop off uh, in the edge category between like a, a guy like Thibodeau and Carl Aftis? Mm-hmm. So, uh, as far as who you take at five, I think you got to go with you know what's the bigger drop off and what can I address later on, right? So I think. As far as offensive tackles, there's a little bit more of a drop-off because you look at day two, there's a lot of edge rushers there. A guy like Mafe, or I'm not sure, coming off of injury, the Michigan ch- kid, um, Ajabo. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. There's there's definitely options day two as well. Yeah, a lot of depth in this draft. Definitely. I think that, um, you know, the, the the next guy up on the edge after Thibodeau, if, if Walker's off the board, is probably Jermaine Johnson from Florida State. And we're talking about a guy who really kind of wrecked shop for everybody that they played last year. So, you know, if, if that's a guy that they value as well, I, I think that, yeah, it's, it's, it's really, uh, I think it's a, a, a loaded top 10 here. Um, and, you know, with a team like the Giants now, they almost have a need everywhere. So, um, yeah. yeah, I think that there's, there's probably a list of 10, 12 guys that you can definitely see them taking here. So comes draft day. Day one, Dave, I want to hear your dream scenario. I know you mentioned earlier a possibility of a trade back. Uh, let me let me hear the dream scenario. Well, you know, I'll, I'll talk about the dream scenario. I don't know if my dream scenario includes the trade back, but it could. Um, okay. So if you look at trading back, let's say they look to trade back five and keep seven. Um, you know, we just said right there that, there could be the possibility at five of having Neil, of having a Quanu and having Thibodeau there. If they ever could, um, you know, trade back five, let's say into the, uh, uh, the 12, 13, 14 range. Um, you know, I see, uh, you know, Minnesota sitting there, um, uh, Houston sitting there at 13. Um, right. The important part of the trade back here would be to get a number one pick for next year. That's kind of the dream scenario. So I could see the Giants um, going, uh, Kayvon Thibodeau is still there at seven after you trade at five. You trade back to 13 and you get Houston's first round pick for next year. Uh, Thibodeau at seven, 13 now. Maybe you go Trevor Penning from Northern Iowa. Maybe you go Lindenbaum from, uh, from Iowa, who they're saying may be the best center prospect. Uh, who's come out in a very, very long time. So I think that there's ways to still address your two biggest needs of edge rusher, offensive lineman, and still getting that number one pick for next year, which you could kind of parlay into a a starting quarterback if Daniel Jones doesn't work out. So I think that's probably the dream scenario. Um, You know, trading back one of those picks, uh, getting a, a mid first rounder, still getting that edge rusher at seven um, and, and a really good offensive lineman at, uh, you know, 13, 14 and still uh, loading up for, for next year's draft. If you think that um, with all these quarterbacks coming out next year, you may have a possibility to get one. of them. Yeah. And I mean, look what's happening in the division, right? We saw the Philadelphia Eagles trade back. Now they have a couple first-round picks next year when they might be looking for a quarterback as well, possibly moving on from Hurts. So, yeah, Tom, what are your thoughts about maybe moving back? I know uh, Dave mentioned possibly like the Minnesota Vikings, perhaps Houston wants to move up. Um, would you be comfortable moving as far down as, say, 20 to Pittsburgh? Yes, I definitely would not have a problem with that. Uh, as we mentioned earlier, there's a lot of a lot of depth here. So um, trading back and picking up a future first, I, th- I would love that, honestly, especially because we said this could be Jones's last year if he doesn't prove um, to the people that he can he can play. And um, I'm a huge fan of C.J. Stroud in next year's draft uh, from Ohio State. Obviously, a lot of people like Bryce Young from Alabama who could be a stud on uh, the NFL. So, again, would love to, to trade back uh, down to 20. I wouldn't mind that. Uh, that would be an area for Linderbaum if he doesn't go. Um, he could be a franchise center, so that's not a bad idea. But if you're asking for my ideal scenario with, with no trade back, uh, it would be Thibodeau at five or or Neil at five. Um, so Thibodeau, Neil, or Aquanu, two of the three. That'd be my ideal scenario with no trade back. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and as, as far as the Jets, too, just to cover them, I mean, 
I feel like we have similar wants and needs. The Jets also need to cover edge. Um, they need to address offensive line and defensive back as well. And they're sitting at four and 10. So I think with four, it's very similar to the Giants. you got to see who falls between those top edge rushers and those top tackles. Uh, and then as far as 10, this is where it gets tricky for the Jets because they didn't address the wide receiver uh, position. I know that they were uh, in the running for Tyreek Hill. Ultimately, he ends up going to a division rival, Miami Dolphins. Um, I, there's been a lot of rumors about DK Metcalf, possibly AJ Brown, but it doesn't seem like there's any sort of movement there, at least right now. So if you're the Jets, I mean, you could consider going wide receiver, but there's no Jamar Chase in this draft, which really worries me. I don't love any of the Ohio State guys. Um, Drake London staying healthy doesn't really, I mean, it's, there's no one that I love at pick 10 for the Jets. You know, when it comes to the wide receivers here, I, I agree with what you're saying, Bob. I, I don't think uh, at 10, there's enough value for any of these wide receivers. Uh, the one thing I will say, though, is I think it's a deep wide receiver draft. Um, so I wouldn't press, you know, the point of taking a, a wide receiver at 10 when the thought is rounds two, three, four. Um, I think that there's some some pretty good pieces there. Um, and and maybe a couple of these, uh, you know, projected first round wide receivers uh, fall a little bit into the second round. So uh, I think a bigger need for them is is probably uh, maybe a defensive backfield. Um, you know, maybe maybe Kyle Hamilton drops. I think Kyle Hamilton would be a, a decent fit for the Jets. Um, you know, I think that um, you know th they need playmakers on defense. Um, but but I agree. I think it would be a, a little bit of a stretch to to come up with a wide receiver here at ten. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, you mentioned some some guys maybe slipping to day two. Uh, one guy that's kind of been on my radar for a while is this kid from Purdue, David Bell. Uh, I think that would be a good match for the Jets. Uh, we need a bigger X receiver. I think we had a great pick last year with Elijah Moore. Uh, we took him in the second round as well. But some of these Jets fans. I think have nightmares from the Denzel Mims pick and they're nervous not going a wide receiver early, but just because you take a guy at 10 doesn't necessarily mean he's worth that pick. Like you said, as far as going with value, um, we'd be much better off going with a defensive back. Like you said, hopefully a guy like Hamilton slips, perhaps we take Derek Stingley um, and Tom, if you want to touch on that. Yeah, I think the, uh, I think it'd be smart for the jets to go um, cornerback or safety with, with that number 10 pick, honestly, uh, you look at a guy like Hamilton, if he falls to 10, that I think that's a steal at 10. Um, that kid can basically do everything. We mentioned he can cover tight ends. That's so big in the league uh, nowadays. He's got guys like Kelsey and Kittle who are just such big primary receivers used as tight ends. <clears throat> so I think that would be huge. I think another guy, obviously, that they should be targeting is Sauce Gardner because that could be a, a Revis 2.0 for them. That kid, I think, is going to be a man-up corner. Uh, Jalen Ramsey, similar. I think it could be really good. So I think they should go – Secondary, their secondary struggled last year. Uh, they made a few good moves in uh, free agency, but they're still young uh, there. So, I mean, I, th I think you got to improve the secondary. Yeah, and as we move on to our last segment here, uh, Dave, let's run through a, a mock draft here. I have a simulator pulled up on my laptop. Uh, unfortunately, I can't share my screen with you, but say we run through three rounds, Jets-Giants uh, will control both picks. Teams will be – calling in, offering us trades, and we'll kind of take the positions of uh, GM Shane and GM Joe Douglas. So uh, like let's get into it. All right. All right. So in this simulator, the first three picks went Hutchinson, Kyle Hamilton, and Ahmad Gardner. So with the Jets on the clock here, you know, there's two trade offers being offered to the Jets. The Texans and the Lions are trying to trade up. But if I'm Joe Douglas – I'm rejecting them both. And I think that right here, Evan Neal is still on the board. Um, he'll be the first tackle taken. I think you got to go Evan Neal over Kayvon Thibodeau. And that's just because we saw Makai Becton could not stay healthy, injured week one, was supposed to be just like a six to eight week timetable, ended up being out the whole year. There's rumors now of him being out during OTAs. Um, and this is really worrisome because he's a guy who's weighing in at 360. Uh, a massive dude, and obviously as good as he is when he's healthy, you know, you kind of need that insurance for when he's not. And perhaps he does get healthy, and best-case scenario, you move him to right tackle, and Neil plays left, and all of a sudden you have a, a stellar offensive line. 
Yeah, I think I think Neil's probably the way to go for the Jets right here. Um, I, I don't I don't think that um, you know Aquanu's the pick for them. Um, I I know it. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of thoughts here of you know Thibodeau is sitting there. Do you make the move? But I think in the long run, like you said, Bob, um, you got a young quarterback who's showing a lot of promise. I think you have to solidify in front of him, and I think Neil's probably the guy to do that. All right, yeah, I'm going to punch that in. So as we know, the Jets are four, the Giants are five. This simulator only has one offer, uh, and it's Detroit calling in. They're offering 32, 34, and the Rams' first-round pick next year. Is that enough to to get it done for five? I know that first-round pick me, next not... year is attractive, but being the that it's first-round pick is attractive. But I think, um, you know, with, with the draft this year and the first round being as, uh, as talented as it is, um, you know, I'd be looking for, for something a little bit more than that rather than two second round picks. And I, I know the first sounds good for next year, um, but if that's the only trade on the table, I, I think we keep the pick. Okay, so that being said, um, you got some really good edge rushers here with Thibodeau, Walker, and you also have Aquanu, who we talked about a lot on this show. So, what's your what's your decision here, Dave? Yeah, I think that uh, I think that looking at like we talked about before, looking at you know draft strategy here, um, you have picks five and seven. I think Neil's off the board. Uh, I think there is such a drop off between Aquanu and Cross. I think you have to take a Quanu here, knowing that um, you still have Thibodeau and you still have Walker on the board, and one of the two will be available for you at seven. So I think uh, you know I'm punching it right now, Ike Mcquanu as uh, as number five. Yeah, Tom. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. Uh, with Walker and Thibodeau still on the board, um, no reason honestly to go for either of those yet. I, I would definitely go Aquanu there now. If Shane really loves Thibodeau, obviously, like a lot of these these GMs probably do love Thibodeau, maybe he pulls the trigger on him there. But, I mean, in that spot, I think it, it may, does make the most sense to go Aquanu. Yeah, because you, you figured both of them can't go before your seven pick, exactly. and you'd be having one of them there on the board, or possibly if you want to go a different direction, like we mentioned, trading down is obviously an option. So I think Aquanu is also the right pick here. Yeah. Makes the most sense. So this mock had Carolina taking Malik Willis, which I think is a little early, but obviously they're in need of a quarterback. So if that's their guy, they're going to go with him. Um, but nonetheless, on the clock, the Giants pick seven. Uh, offered a couple trades here. Um, Chargers are offering no first next year, just a couple seconds being offered here. I can't see a world where the where the Giants trade down um, with who's on the board right now. Kayvon yeah, Thibodeau. I mean, I think that – uh, Trayvon Walker is going to be a heck of a good player in the league, and I could see him being a good player for the Giants and giving them versatility, uh, coming off the edge or sitting, you know, next to uh, Leonard Williams, you know, inside and getting to the quarterback from there. But if if this is how the draft is is playing out, I am running to the podium with my card for Kayvon Thibodeau. Yeah, I agree. 100%. Yeah, I, I like him better than Walker. I mean, Walker's a guy who's rising late, and we've seen guys who rise late perform well in the NFL. <clears throat> Joe Burrow is one of the ones in recent memory. But Thibodeau's a guy, like we said, who could possibly be over-scouted. He's been at the top of the board for I don't know, since last season. Yeah, so. he was the consensus number one for, for a while. So, I mean, if this is how it goes, yeah. I mean, if he drops like this, that would be a dream for the Giants for sure. All right, so – it's kind of looking like slim pickings for the New York Jets. Um, as we saw early on, Kyle Hamilton and Sauce Gardner both go. And since the Giants took Thibodeau, uh, Garrett Wilson, wide receiver, went to the Falcons. And then um, the defensive tackle from Georgia, Jordan Davis, went the pick before to the Seattle Seahawks. So I don't know. If this is the situation for the Jets, I, I actually think they got kind of lucky, right? Because there's still two good edge rushers on the board with Trayvon Walker and Jermaine Johnson. And having gone offensive tackle with our fourth pick, I think you have to address defense. Well, and and Bob, uh, just going back to, you know, the first couple picks here, is Derek Stingley still on the board? Indeed, yeah, he is. Is, is that a thought? You know, I, I mean, 
coming coming into the draft, he was the consensus number one corner. I know we talked a lot about Sauce Gardner um, and, and and what he brings to the table. I, I referenced before Stingley's coming off an injury. They do think that he is fully healed, um, and and he had you know a heck of a career um, at LSU. Um, is that is that at all a thought? I mean, I know that, um, like you said, Walker's there, and I think Walker would be, uh, you know, a, a welcome addition to that Jets defense. But, um, you know, do, do you consider going defensive back here? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. Derek Stingley, like you said, is a guy who is at the top of the charts uh, for a while. And the only reason why he could be dropping right now is obviously the concern with the injury history. But LSU uh, has a pretty good history with uh, producing defensive backs to the NFL. I know one of them leaves a bad taste in my mouth, Jamal Adams. Um, but overall, they've sent a bunch of other guys. Tyron Matthews, another one just off the top of my head. So Stingley's obviously uh, a thought here. Um, and I'm not really sure what Joe Douglas would decide to do, right? Because you look at the Jets roster already, the cornerbacks are very young. You have some guys who played well last year, Bryce Hall, uh, Eccles is another guy. Um, but we weren't, or we did, we actually did sign DJ Reed from the Seattle Seahawks, um, which could possibly sway them into taking an edge rusher. Um, but at the same time, you have Carl Lawson coming back. So... This is definitely a tough decision, and I don't think he could go wrong with, with either pick here. It definitely is a tough decision, but I think uh, you got to look at Stingley. I mean, this kid, uh, he's been at LSU for a while. He was on that championship uh, defense. I mean, this kid's a stud. He can definitely be a huge playmaker in the NFL, but uh, that big question is the injury history and, and how much the GMs are going to value that and uh, if, he, if he's going to be able to stay healthy. So I think that's going to be a big question when you look at how Joe Douglas is going to look at that pick if that's where it comes down to. Um, but if he's healthy in the NFL, I think no doubt he can be a top corner in the league eventually. Yeah, you know, yeah, one thing that I look at, uh, don't mean to interrupt you, one thing that I look at a lot when you look at some of these um, NFL analysts and these mock draft sites, um, I, I always find a lot of value in when, when you start reading and they start talking about like prospect comparisons, right? So, so who do they see this guy turning into? So if you look at, you know, Two guys that are on the board here, look at Trayvon Walker and look at Derek Stingley. Um, the prospect comparisons here for Walker is Rashawn Gary, uh, kind of a local guy from Jersey. You know, he's out with yep. Green Bay. He's um, he's had a pretty nice career. Um, and then if you look at the prospect comparison for Stingley, um, their prospect of, uh, comparison is Stephon Gilmore. Um, so mm -hmm. it, I think it's a tough call here. I, I don't think you could go wrong with either one of these young men. But I think you really have to consider taking the defensive back here. Yeah. Um, I'm just thinking off the top, I had a couple guys who could be there day two for the Jets. We mentioned some of the edge rushers that could slip, like Mafe or Jabo. Um, and as far as corners, um, the kid from Washington, I'm pretty high on Trent McDuffie. I think he could slip to second round. Um so I guess I guess it depends on what gamble you want to take there and who you think is going to fall. But you make a good point with the comparisons, and that's obviously an attractive comparison, Stefan Gilmore. Um, I don't know. This is tough. You guys, you guys are thinking Stingley. I mean, I think you got a stud in Neil. I think you're, you're looking for uh, you know who's going to make the biggest impact. Uh, I think Stingley probably would make the biggest impact early on. Uh, for the Jets. Yeah, no doubt. All right, yeah, I, I agree with you guys. You know, it almost seemed like I uh, I was going to go with Walker right away, but you're right. I mean, you got to look at Stingley. Um, and if he is a guy that fits Salah's system, you mentioned if Stefan Gilmore is the comparison, uh, I would love a, a future Stefan Gilmore on the Jets secondary. So, yeah, we'll go with Stingley here and we'll see who falls. A guy that I didn't even mention is Jamison Williams, the wide receiver from Bama, coming off the ACL injury. I just don't think there's any way you could use a, a top 10 pick on, on that, right? I, I don't think you'd take him top 10 either, but I think whoever does get that kid is, is going to be getting a real a real steal because he's coming off that torn ACL um, in the championship game. So, but I think he's, he's going to be really good once he's healthy. All right. So, moving on to day two here. Um, there's some good talent here, like we like we've been talking about all day. David Ajabo, I don't love him coming off that injury. The Jets are on the clock right now, pick 35, and there's a player at the top of the board. Ooh, 
Wow. Okay. So in this mock draft, Tyler Linderbaum fell to the second round, um, which is very attractive for both the Jets and the Giants. Another guy who's there um, is Nicobe Dean, one of the top linebacker prospects. Yeah. Yeah. So me being on the clock here with the Jets, I think you lean Nicobe Dean just because you addressed offensive line at pick four. Um, and obviously, yes, you went defense at pick 10, but linebacker is a big need for the Jets. Um, and I think this is this is the way you go. Mafe is on the board. Uh, he's the highest edge rusher. Uh, you still have wide receiver Jahan Dotson, not too interested in. He plays a similar game as Elijah Moore. Uh, Drake Jackson, edge rushers here. Um, obviously, the Jets aren't going corner, but just so you guys know, they have top corner here, Roger McCreary from, from Auburn. Um, and, yeah, that's pretty much the top guys on the board right now. If I'm the Jets, I think you go into Kobe Dean. Yeah, I don't think you can go wrong with Dean. Um, you know, probably the best uh, linebacker in, in college football last year. Um, great program, you know, runs a pro style. Uh, there was some talk about, you know, his size. Maybe he's a little bit undersized. Uh, but but I can see him just, uh, just being a, a real great player in the league for a long time. Thoughts on Dean? Yeah, I'm a big uh, Nakobe Dean fan. Uh, watching Georgia this year, I mean, he just ran around the whole field. He's a great field general. I think he'd be a great captain on, on a defense. Uh, and honestly, if if the, he does fall that far and he, he's available for the Giants in the second round, I'd obviously love for the Giants to take him because um, I know we do have Blake Martinez, but he's coming off that that big uh, torn ACL. Uh, so you never know how, how that's going to be. And, and we can never have enough coverage linebackers because the Giants haven't had a lot of great a lot of great that one of those in, in a while, you know? Yeah, I hear you. So now say the Jets do go Dean Giants on the clock right behind them at 36. Who are you guys trying to target here? Well, um, I said it pick seven. If Thibodeau is there, I'm running to the podium with Mike Hartford Thibodeau. Here for the Giants um, in the second round, pick 36. If Tyler Lindenbaum is still on the board, I am sprinting back to the podium <laughs> and I'm handing my card in and I'm going to tell you why. Um, I know I said before, they say that he may be the best center prospect uh, in a long time. It's been a long time since the Giants had a legitimate general at center on that offensive line. Uh, if you look at what the Giants have done so far in the draft, they took a Kwanu at five. Uh, so Aquanu steps in as your right tackle. Andrew Thomas, who has grown tremendously, is your left tackle. Uh, Giants went out in free agency this year. They got uh, Lewinsky from the Colts to be the, the right guard. Uh, they did bring in John Feliciano from Buffalo, had a lot of uh, familiarity with, with Shane and, um, and Dable, uh, and they kind of have him penciled in at their center. But you kick Feliciano right over to left guard and you plug in Tyler Lindenbaum for the next 12 years, I'd be ecstatic with that. Yeah, I mean, taking two early picks to go center and uh, right tackle, obviously it's not the most sexy picks in the world. But going back about a decade now, the Jets took two first-round picks and turned it into Nick Mangold and DeBrickashaw Ferguson. Look how that turned out. Uh, I think that this would be a no-brainer for the Giants. Yeah, I mean, it's honestly not even too unrealistic to, to see Linderbaum fall uh, to 36 because we know how GMs uh, value the interior line, and it's just not valued as the same as is on the on the outside with the tackles. So I'm, I'm really hoping Linderbaum falls. Um, like Dave said, this is a generational center, and we all know how great centers can transform an O-line. You look at the Eagles and uh, Jason Kelsey uh, for all the years that he's been there. They've always had a solid O-line. So this, if this is how the draft goes for the Giants, I mean, I think this is a dream – uh, scenario. I also like to point out here that Zion Johnson went 30 to the Chiefs. It's a, a guard from Boston College. I, I like him a lot. I'm, I'm, if he falls to the second round, I would not mind the Giants taking him uh, and then plugging him into that guard spot. You have him and Glowinski with uh, Feliciano on the inside. I, I would not mind that either. Tom, I'm going to agree with you, and I'm, I'm going to ask real quick because you guys have the mock in front of you. Uh, another guy that I'm very, very high on is uh, Kenyon Johnson from Texas A&M. Um, Johnson's a guy that can play multiple, multiple positions across the line. Uh, where did he go in the draft? So he's actually still on the board right now. So I got to tell you, um, you know, Linderbaum's there and I would be, like I said, ecstatic. 
Um, uh, I if Linderbaum was not there, I think my pick probably would have been Kenyon Green. Okay, so yeah, definitely going Linderbaum here. I mean, and and like we said, it's not too unrealistic. So I, I, obviously, some mock drafts have him going in the first round, but we saw Creed Humphrey was the number one center prospect last year, and where did he go to the Chiefs? Thirty-one. So this is. We're only at pick 36 here. This is definitely a possibility. Yeah. Now, looking here with the Jets' second-round pick, I know we mentioned some pretty good edge prospects here still available, um, and we're yet to address that need. Um, Drake Jackson's here, Boye Mafe, but I'm not sure if the Jets take four of their top picks uh, addressing the defensive side of the ball when they're yet to, to address receiver. Uh, just looking here on the board, some of the receivers, I already canceled out Jahan Dotson. Like I said, a little bit too much like Elijah Moore. I'm looking at a guy here. I mentioned him earlier on the podcast, David Bell from Purdue. Uh, he's six foot tall, but he's a good X receiver. I think he would fit in well in the Jets offense. Um, so he's not the fastest, but he's a very, he has very long speed, according to this scouting report. Um, good change of direction, good route runner. And we see some of the top route runners in the league are, are the best receivers, right? Look at Devontae Adams, phenomenal route runner. Keenan Allen, phenomenal route runner. Um, so I think David Bell's a guy uh, who will be there day two for sure and should definitely be at the top of the Jets draft board. Yeah, I, I think that you, you hit it right on the head, Bob. Um, eventually, the Jets have to address the offensive side of the ball. So, you know, now I think now's the time. Um, and I think you got to get your, you have to get Wilson some help here. You got to get him a player. You got to get him right. somebody that could, you know, make him better on the field. I agree. And they picked up some tight ends, which is obviously key as weapons. But uh, picking up a wide receiver here, I think, would go a long way. Um, cause obviously a young quarterback needs all the help you can get. We saw Joe Burrow, um, with all of his receivers. It almost seemed like they had too many at the start of the season, but I mean, you really can't have enough Dallas Cowboys also had many receivers and it's just endless options for, for Dak Prescott. And, um, I think you got to build a similar situation if you want your quarterback to succeed. Yeah. And I, I think you, you bring up a really good point. I'm going to, I'm going to use Dallas as, as an example here. Uh, they were loaded this year um, at the wide receiver position, but now you look at um, uh, Cooper's gone. Mari Cooper's no longer on the team. Cedric Wilson's gone. Um, so, you know, what looks like a packed room uh, at a position one year, the next year could be a, a super thin room. Um, so you really got to, if you're the Cowboys, you got to hope Michael Gallup gets healthy real quick. Um, and they're probably going to be, you know, in the business of, of looking at the wide receivers on the draft board here. Um, so, you know, what could be your strength one year, as we all know, could kind of be a weakness the next. So I think you really yeah. have to try to load up. Yeah, and uh, you actually bring up a great point um, because with, like, the Dallas situation, they couldn't really afford to keep Amari Cooper. And now I think you're going to see a lot of teams spending a few draft picks on wide receivers, especially with how high the market is right now to re-sign a wide receiver. We saw Tyree Kill get a massive deal. Uh, same with Devontae Adams and even a guy like Christian Kirk. I mean, that I think that was an idiotic deal, but he's, he's making over 20 million. I mean, it's insane. so yeah, I think you're going to see teams go to the draft because that's the only way to save money on wide receivers. So, Going into the third round now, uh, this is the last round that we're doing for our mock draft. The Giants are on the clock at 67. Um, I know it's tough because you don't have it in front of you, Dave, but some of the top guys here, um, I guess you could tell me what position you want to address and maybe I can read off some of the names. Yeah, I, I think that, um, like I said, there's so many holes for the Giants, but I think you really have to start looking at which of these tight ends are on the board here at three. Um, you know, Giants uh, have an extremely thin tight end room right now. Uh, you brought in as a free agent this year, Ricky Seals-Jones from, uh, from Washington. Um, so, I mean, he, he's basically the tight end room right now. So it's something that you're going to have to address. Um, so, you know, thinking about some of these tight ends, um, you know, my first question is, um, you know, talented guy from Colorado, Colorado State, Trey, uh, Trey McBride, is he still on the board for us? 
Um, he is there, yes. He's the top. He's at the top of the board right now. And another guy that I kind of like is Isaiah Likely um, from Coastal Carolina. So those those two names are at the top of the board right now. Yeah, I, I think that um, very very similar size, both six four. Um, you know, Trey McBride two forty six, Likely two forty five. Um, you know, great speed, great hands. Um, could definitely um, get get you some yardage after the catch. I think when you're looking at the total need here for the Giants, um, you don't just need a guy that's going to, you know, hit the seam, catch the ball, and, and run up the field. You need the guy that's going to have to block for some of our other weapons. You know, you're throwing a wide receiver screen to Kadarius Tony. You need a tight end that's also going to block. And I think Trey McBride is more of that type of player. Um, so with him on the board here, I'm going to punch that in as our, our third round pick. Yeah, Dave, uh, <clears throat> without question, if he falls to the third round, I think that's a no-brainer uh, for the Giants. Although I don't see him really getting out of the second round. Um, that's just me. Uh, I think he could definitely be the next George Kittle, which is obviously a great uh, comparison for him. Uh, going tight end in the third round is, is definitely a good idea. Giants, just like you mentioned, are thin. They lost um, the great Evan Engram, who I think a lot of fans were happy to see uh, go to Jacksonville and enjoy himself I packed, there. I packed his bags. I packed his bags. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, literally. And um, I think another guy to look at also is Ruckert, uh, who's from Ohio State. Yeah. Uh, he's from Long Island, local kid. So, I mean, I think the Giants could definitely make some noise with tight end. Another guy who I think could be going around early third round is George Pickens uh, from Georgia. Is he available, Bob? Yes. Now, he, he has a little bit of injury history uh, coming off, uh, I think it's a torn ACL, um, one of those years at Georgia. But, I mean, that would you be opposed, Dave, going wide receiver, maybe Pickens uh, in the third round? No, I, I, I actually really like Pickens. Pickens has great size, six foot three. Um, I think that um, he's a guy that uh, you could definitely get the ball down the field to, uh, matching him up. Uh, with Kenny Galladay, um, you still have Tony, like we said, in the slot. Um, you know, you will have uh, Sterling Shepard coming back off of the Achilles injury. Um, so I think he would be a, a really nice addition to the room. Um, you know, I, I would definitely uh, feel better if Pickens was the pick rather than somebody who has um, uh, not, not as good size, right, because we are so thin at tight end. Um, so if you do go wide receiver, I think it has to be a big wide receiver, and, and Pickens definitely kind of fits the bill there. Agreed. Yeah, I think Pickens is definitely an option, but I think here the Giants would most likely go Trey McBride. Yeah, if McBride's there, I'd definitely take him. Third round. All right, so taking McBride. We now move back to the Jets, um, and they address tight end. So originally – you know, before free agency, I was all over the tight end market, but I doubt that we really use a pick or at least a high end pick on one after signing two guys with CJ Uzoma and Tyler Conklin. Um, if I'm the Jets here, like I said, we haven't addressed edge yet. I'm not too familiar with uh, some of the guys who are on the board here. Um, I'm not sure if you are, Dave. Just some of the names I see here are Nick Bonito from Oklahoma, uh, yeah. Kingsley Anagberry. Nagbar. I'm not sure okay, if I'm pronouncing that one right. And uh, Majai Sanders from Cincinnati. Bob, I'm going to throw a name out at you. I don't know if you're familiar. Uh, young man from Old Miss named Sam Williams. Um, Sam Williams. He's got great size, six foot four. Um, he had some off the field issues. Um, so I, I'm sure that some teams are going to, you know, wait a little while uh, if he's even on the draft board. Um, so I don't know, you know, as giant fans, you know, we usually stay away from guys like that. You know, we, we let them end up in uh, playing for the Raiders or the Cowboys. But um, if this is a guy that I know um, a lot of teams are going to do their homework on, um, from what I've seen, I think um, he definitely had some issues, but he's an absolute beast on the field. It just comes down to uh, what were those issues and are they past him? Um, you know, I, I, I see him slipping down probably third, fourth round. Um, but uh, I'm sure if he's on their board, they're going to do their homework. Um, you said that Drake Jackson's off the board. He was picked. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, yeah, after pulling up this guy, this is a guy that I wasn't really too familiar with. Um, and I like that report that you kind of gave on him. I'm reading the one on this website, and it says – 
that he recently logged a 4-4 40-yard dash. And I mean, for an edge rusher, I think that's pretty amazing. And they just keep describing him as a very athletic guy. And kind of like what you said, he seems to have a very high ceiling. It's just a matter of whether he's capable of reaching it. Yeah, I mean, this this is a guy that, um, you know, if he's still sitting, um, I have him in one of my, you know, overall prospect uh, grades as the, the 70th best player. So if you have some off the field stuff and you're still sitting at the 70th best player in the draft, um, the talent's definitely there. It's just a matter of doing the homework and seeing really what um, what was the deal with the with the off season. Uh, with the uh, off the field stuff and, and is he passed it? Right. Yeah. And I mean, this is where you take a gamble if you're a GM, right? You went safe uh, in the first round taking Neil. I'm not going to say Stingley was safe, but it's the right pick. And now you're here in the third round looking at a guy who, yeah, might have some off the field issues, but could be a menace on the field. I think this is a good spot to take that risk. I mean, I mean you're, yeah. you're looking at a guy that had 12 and a half sacks and four forced fumbles last season. So, I mean, He's he the, the the play is there, and he's playing a big time schedule. So I mean, you have to you have to look at, you know, risk reward here. Um, you're definitely going to be taking a risk, but the reward could be something special. Yeah, no, I hear you. So I'll gladly take that edge rusher, and thank you for the input there. So the Giants have another pick in the third round here, and it'll be the last pick of our mock draft. Uh, what other positions would you like to see? Uh, Shane a draft or uh, address in the draft well uh, I'm definitely going to look at the defensive backfield here you know so far I think the Giants uh, in the in the mock that we've done tonight um, you know they, they got the two pieces on the offensive line that I think are going to be pieces that could be there for a very long time um, you said they weren't the sexy pick I think the sexy pick was kind of sandwiched between them with with Thibodeau um, you went with an extreme need and, and, and really got lucky that, that McBride was still on the board. So I got to look uh, into the defensive backfield now, and I got to see, um, you know, they have needs at uh, a corner uh, and at safety. Um, I'm banking on uh, James Bradbury not being on the Giants roster come week one, which makes Adore Jackson your, your number one guy, um, and then a, a bunch of young guys behind him. So if a corner's there, um, and obviously, I referenced before the Giants are also looking to replace Logan Ryan, who was a big part of that defense the last couple of years. Okay, yeah. So as far as uh, defensive backs, I'm seeing Kobe Bryant here, Cincinnati product. Uh, I'm looking at a safety, Verone McKinley from Oregon. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with either of those prospects. Another corner here, Jalen Armore Davis from Bama. Um, I'm more familiar with the first two guys. Um, you know, if you give me the choice here, um, if you give me a chance, uh, a choice between Bryant and um, and McKinley, I'm probably going to go Bryant because I think they have more of a need at uh, at corner right now. You know, the Giants still have Xavier McKinney, who I think is is going to be a rising star in the league. Um, they still have uh, Julian Love. Who's, who's a decent role guy, and I think that they can end up getting, um, you know, a, a safety uh, either later on in the draft or still through free agency. So I would probably go Kobe Bryant here at corner. Um, he's got a great name, right? He's, he's, yeah. Uh, you know, you can't, you can't have the name Kobe Bryant and not be a player. So I, I would that feel is true. I feel a little comfortable going there. And, and Cincinnati had – they had a real good defense last year. So Great defense. Uh, you know, I'm hoping that – you know, if that's the pick, um, that, he, that he's the next guy on the outside. Yeah, I like that pick a lot. Yeah, I definitely would not be opposed to that. Uh, like we said, definitely could use uh, some secondary help. Uh, I like McKinney a lot, uh, who's going to be getting, obviously, uh, he's going to be the star of the show now that Logan Ryan uh, is out of New York. Uh, so I think getting a guy like Kobe Bryant to pair uh, as a cornerback with a Dory, I think is, is really a smart idea. I think him and uh, Sauce Gardner really locked down uh, last year for Cincinnati. Right. And you mentioned earlier, Dave, they're probably losing Brad Berry. He probably won't be on the team come week one. So filling in another corner here, I think is definitely the move. Yeah. And I think Tom, what Tom just brought up, so a really good point is that, um, you know, Kobe Bryant played alongside Sauce Gardner that in uh, Sauce Gardner is a guy that we're saying, you know, is a top three or four pick in this, in this draft. Um, 
So you know that that Brian saw probably a little bit more of the action than than Sauce Gardner. People weren't going to pick on Gardner during games. Um, and I think uh, after seeing all the action that he did, Kobe Bryant is still, you know, um, uh, you know, a third round prospect, which is pretty darn good for a number two corner. Um, so, so I would feel comfortable, you know, making that pick. Yeah, and yeah. just just as a final recap here, we look at the three rounds that we took care of here in the draft. The Jets walk away with Evan Neal, Derek Stingley, Nicobe Dean, David Bell and Sam Williams addressing almost all of their top needs. And the Giants addressing almost all their top needs as well, going Iquanu, Thibodeau, Linderbaum, Trey McBride, and Kobe Bryant. I think we did a pretty good job. I think we did a real good job. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I mean... DMs for the Jets and Giants better watch out if those are the... <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that'd be a, that'd be an ideal draft, I feel like, for both, both teams, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Dave... Uh, it's been a pleasure just talking to you again. I know it's been a while, and we talked about uh, me probably coming by to visit, maybe catch a, a baseball game at Union Catholic. Yes. Make sure yep. anytime you're around, come back and, and see the Vikings. Yeah, I'm very excited for that. And, Tom, obviously it's been a great show. Yeah, thanks so much for coming on, Dave. It was fun to, to compare with a Giant fan here. We got we got a few more weeks, so I'm, I'm excited for this draft. Hopefully all goes well for us. Yeah, absolutely, Tom. It was a pleasure today. Thanks so much. And that wraps up another episode of Call It a Comeback. We'll see you next time.